what Holy Spirit wants to do, but we don't know what it's going to look like. So we're just doing as we move forward. Okay, do this. Teach fivefold. Have this 10-day prayer. You know, it's like that. What was the thing in, the, in that movie we love so much? Um, um, Risen? Remember that line with the disciples? Anyone seen Risen? Okay, remember the whole story? There was one guy trying to follow the disciples around to find Jesus and all that stuff. And finally at the end, he comes to the disciples and says, so what are you guys going to do now? What, what's the line? He says, what are you, you going to do now? And he's like, I, I don't know. He was talking to Peter. And Peter's like, I don't know, but we're followers. So we're going to follow him. And that was, that's what he said. And that pierced our hearts because that's what we all should be. We don't have to have the blueprints for the next 10 years. It's just the next step. So, so Dave and I have this thing that um, I always kind of joke about that I, I've, we've been married for 14 years and I've never once got to pick out the place that we live. <laughs> so I've always kind of looked at him and I'm like, okay, wherever you are, that's home. Wherever you go, I go. Um, I read this whole column yesterday in BuzzFeed um, there's problem number one, <laughs> but it was an article about how someone knew when their marriage was over. Like, what was the thing that cued them into saying, now it's time to walk away? And I find myself reading articles from opposite ways of thinking so that I can learn compassion and I can learn to engage um, so that I can be educated onto the people that I'm speaking with. And I finished reading the article and I said something to David about it. I'm like, some of these reasons are, are, are terrible. And I know that sounds really judgmental. That's not my intention. Um, but I look back over the last 14 years and how many times and how many reasons and, and how many fires we've been through together. Um, there's a faithfulness that is so beautiful. Um, I don't want to say this and sound, I don't mean to sound arrogant whatsoever, not in the least, but there's a beautiful faithfulness in my household and I'm grateful for it. And it is the slightest mirroring of the absolute faithfulness that God has in the storms of our lives. So we look through all these changes and transitions and different approaches to ministry to church, the, the shifting that we've had over the past few months, um, going out, becoming more evangelical, learning to be shepherds. It's, the waters can get rough and you make your decision and you stand your ground and you face forward and you decide, do I stay or do I go? It's a point of decision that we're at right now for each one of us individually as a member of this congregation. Um, when you were talking about things getting messy, they've been messy, they're gonna get messier. They're gonna get messier and if there's anyone that's ever watched a kid go straight into a mud puddle after you've just put clean clothes on them. You know how frustrating messy can be just when you think you've got your stuff all together. It comes and it gets flipped over. So the biggest thing I wanted to, to bring is that there is a humility that's required in faithfulness. There's a humility that's required in transition. Um, there's a humility that's definitely definitely required an outreach that we never once look at somebody who's in a different life position than we're in with any form of arrogance whatsoever. I work in academia. There is such a hierarchy. If you don't have letters after your name, then you are basically just garbage. And 
in the hierarchy of the university, I am garbage. I get treated like it a lot. <laughs> um, I know who I am, so it, whatever. I'm not garbage, thank you. <laughs> but it's when you look down your nose on somebody because you don't think they know as much as you do, or you have this and they don't, or you've made this life decision and they haven't, when you lift that nose up in the air, you cut off any chance for ministry that you think you're gonna have. So to be faithful, to be humble, to realize we all put our pants on one leg at a time, whether there's holes in them or not, I think that's a crucial thing to maintain in, in shepherding. So. Okay. Gary, you're scaring me. I just want you guys to know I love this man. He is, he has a heart for this church. And I tell you, if God ever told him to move, he would do it in a minute to be a part of us. Yes, I so. Uh, and I will not, I will not take very long, but uh, I, no, no, I will not, I will not. So real quickly, you, <laughs> real, real quick. Um, okay, first, you want me to explain the hat? I want to know about the hat. Okay, all right, we'll see that. that okay, that's going to take me a moment. Um, okay, uh, I told him about the hat. I've never wore a hat in my life. Baseball cap, nothing, never, anything. A few months ago, the Holy Spirit started talking and, and, and started nudging me to get a hat. I'm thinking, what? I mean, I'm literally just confused by, and I, but I keep feeling this drawing. And so I find myself looking on websites at hats. You know what I mean? That, I'm thinking, this is weird. So anyway, uh, making this really brief, uh, I finally break down. And uh, last time I was up here, got the hat, got the hat. And, um, and all of a sudden, I, I found out, the Holy Spirit's moving, and I just, I glory in everything that's going on here. This is wonderful. Absolutely, this is wonderful. Uh, this inspiration, the declaration, the uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in its unique way in, in your lives uh, in this congregation. You have much, uh, much ahead of you that's going to be absolutely radically glorious. And uh, and so I'm I'm just thrilled, and that's one of the reasons why I keep peeking in on you. Um, so and and you know and, and, uh, hmm, no, I can't go there. Okay, so um, the hat. So I get the hat. I start putting, I start wearing the hat. I, I never wore a hat. This is weird. This is just weird. Uh, I'm, I just turned 60. I'm wearing a hat. You know, I'm thinking, this is weird. And so I'm wearing this hat, and it's, you know, it's a kind of odd hat in my, I don't know. But I'm wearing a hat. I suddenly find myself speaking in tongues at a, 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 at a heightened uh, rate that, uh, I, I speak in tongues a lot anyway. I, I always have. But now I just went, just, I mean, suddenly I just went through the roof, literally. Um, and then a few days, I mean, just within a few days, I, that day, uh, I remember when I first really became aware of it, it, it was almost like I was singing and praying in tongues all day. Everywhere I went, here's something, here's something I didn't know. If you're not in a church service, you don't have to have an interpretation. And when you're out in public, there's so many people from other countries. They, people don't know if you're just from another country. You have another, so I'm singing out loud in tongues everywhere I go, these long operas. And, you know, and I'm just the joy of the Holy Spirit's all over me. And, and I'm just walking and all day long. Well, that night I laid down on my bed about midnight. I went to lay down. 
and I see the word uh, Fuji. Uh, Fuiji, not Fuji, Fuiji. I'm thinking, Fuiji, uh, I don't know what that is. And, and then I see the word Gitta. I'm thinking, what is that? So I'm thinking, okay, if I don't get up and Google this, I'm not going to remember this in the morning. I have no idea what this is. So I get up and I look it up, uh, Fuiji. Of course, it's Italian. It's a surname. It means explorer and great champion. And I thought, okay, that's kind of that's interesting because you could be a champion and the fight comes to you. But this is an explorer and a great champion. I'm thinking, okay, that's interesting. Then I look up Gitta. It's Arabic, and it means a kind of song. The Holy Spirit was telling me in, in other languages what I was doing all day long. All day long. Well, anyway, I'm not. I, I, I'm on a like you. I'm on this tremendous journey. I mean, uh, the Holy Spirit is just doing things constantly, and and I'm and I'm just it, I'm just overflowing with joy, and I just see Him do radical, radical things. But we haven't got time to talk about those. If we did, I would. Uh, and they're marvelous, and we'd have a lot of fun. But anyway, that I, I, I will do, say, do that some other time. But what the Holy Spirit said uh, that I need to quickly uh, speak to you, the congregation. One, I saw a brush, and I saw a canvas, and uh, I heard the Holy Spirit said, don't pick up the brush. Don't pick up the brush. And I really feel like there's, there's a temptation uh, among some of us here to pick up the brush. Do not pick up the brush. Do not pick up the brush and start painting what you think you think you should be painting. Do not pick up the brush and start painting what you think the Holy Spirit and the Lord wants you and what you desire. Because the painting, you, you've seen the kids' uh, paint? By the way, we're just children. You've seen the kids' paint where you put the water on it and the pitcher comes out of it? They need the water. You need the water of the Holy Spirit and the water of the Word. And that is going to reveal the work of God in you and who you are, your gifting and your calling and your purpose. But do not pick up the paintbrush and try to paint who you are and what you are. Let the Holy Spirit and let the Word of God do it. Uh, 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 another thing, uh, among you, and this really goes with uh, your words that you're, you're growing in, in your diversity of uh, gifts um, and callings. Um, uh, listen, uh, many of you are extremely gifted people. And you've seen the hand of God. You've seen God work. And what God is asking right now is to let the other people in your life, in this church, make little adjustments. Because it's a little adjustment. What I saw, and I'm not a baseball guy, okay? I saw a batter. And he was a good, he was good. But if he could just make a little adjustment, he would increase his home runs. He would increase his performance. And the people that God has given you right here in this place, in this messy, messy place, he, you make those little adjustments. Use those different giftings that you're learning about to make those little, and let the other people help you make those little adjustments because you can't see it. And, and you, you say you're a little tempted not to because you're such a good hitter already. But make those little adjustments, and you're going to knock some stuff out of the park so consistently. It's, you know, it's going to be shocking the level of the rate. So take, yeah, some of us need that. Okay, and uh, before I leave, before I leave, uh, if you've got a thyroid problem, uh, you know, I need to be praying for you. And
especially if it's affect, and I just sense if it, that the thyroid is somehow affecting your heart. So maybe there's several people with issues of thyroid. I just want to pray with you real quick for you. You go, well, I don't take up service time. And then if this number two is special to you, I don't know if it's about someone passing. I don't know if it's anniversary. I don't know if it's a birthday of someone. or I don't know what it is. But if number two is, and then I want to pray for you. I, I just want to pray for you. Let's find out what the Holy Spirit is trying to say and do. So if the number two is important to you, and then let's, let's get together. That's it. Awesome. Okay, so thyroid problems, just see him after service. Yes, Mary, I got you. Okay, come on up. And then the number two. I'm not trying to stall anything. Oh, no, me. no, no. But when people start talking about mud, the first time somebody spoke about mud, I got a word. And the second time somebody spoke about mud, it was confirmed. So beauty for ashes is what he's telling me. Sometimes I feel like ashes myself, but not here. The waves aren't just regular waves. Those are waves of grace. And when people come in here, they're going to feel ashamed, but hopeful. But they're also going to hope that Yahweh takes care of them more than anybody else will. Amen. So don't let, if you're not an evangelist, don't let this scare you and think we're a church of evangelists. We're not. Because when they come in, they need pastors. They need shepherds. They need teachers. They need the prophetic. They need the apostolic. We're all going to do our part. I'm surprised Paul's not jumping up and down. Because this, this is his number. This is what he does. So we're, we're going to have to get him in here. And then we're all going to have to be healthy. So please, please, please get this fivefold thing. I'm telling you, it's preparation. Okay? Quick announcements, Schnooks next, uh, ne tomorrow, Nick was telling me that if you buy something, they have, if you go round up to next dollar, that's okay, I think I got it, thank you, Nick, is that if you round up, if you round up to next dollar, those proceeds go to help the fallen soldiers for Memorial Day, it helps their families and all this stuff for education and stuff, so go to Schnooks. I usually always round up anyway, anytime they ask, they say, what are you rounding up for? I don't know, just round up, it doesn't matter, just get that heart of giving in your life, because we need finances here as the church to do all of this. This is going to get messy, and you guys pray for God to give you a vision of what worldview is going to look like. It'll make it a lot easier. The things that you might be fussy about or they irritate you are going to kind of fall away because you realize there's something bigger here, and it's a train coming down the road, and we're going to have to get ready for it, okay? Um, oh, Lynette is in. She had her foot off or her ankle replaced. She's doing well. She's still in bed. Um, Jim was saying that you know, they still have to, like, get her stuff. She can't get up very much. She gets up for an hour or two, and then she has to lay back down. But it sounded like it went well, and she's recovering well. So keep them in prayer. If the Lord lays it on your heart to give them money to pay for their bills because they're on one salary now, or to bring them food, let's do that. I think they're talking about a food train or something. So we're going we're gonna to be getting that going also, okay? I love every one of you guys. This is going to be messy. Stay away from the, the uh, offense. Watch it, because the devil, devil try to get in and get you to be offended over stuff. We've got to move forward. God has got some great stuff planned for us, and you're on the ground level. It's like a multi-level marketing. We're on the ground level. <laughs> okay, two more quick announcements. And one is that we're going to start in two weeks. We're starting that book study, the Understanding Biblical Christian's Guide to Understanding 
Israel. Da -da. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay, so you need to sign up today so Kathy Langford can buy the books. It'll be a four-week class in the morning. We'll also still keep prayer going from 9 to 9.30. Can you guys go ahead while we're getting um, started here to go ahead and get your offerings ready? Um, while, we, while you guys get the offering ready, um, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. We'll have some, the tithes and offering, somebody will grab a, a basket. There we go. Two people are eyeing each other. Okay. So they're going to get that. And let, I just want to say this while they're doing that. Um, so to, this week I posted on Facebook and Worldview's um, Facebook page that says it's, it's, it's activation week. It says, you know, come, roll up your sleeves, and we're, we're going to roll up our sleeves and push back the chairs, and we're going to do church instead of just watching it from the chairs. Now, isn't that what's already happened? We're all doing it. There's a part everybody's playing, and I just love how God does that. You know, he goes ahead, for, ahead of us, and we've actually already had church, you know, but we're going to continue because even more so, um, anybody need envelope? Let me just, we'll pray for that. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you provide for us. Lord, we just want to give these offerings to you, tithes and offerings to you, God. We want to worship you with our finances. We want to, we want to show you how much we trust you with our, our, the, the money that you've given us, that we would be faithful givers. God, I pray you bless each one that's giving. Bless those that can't give, God, is to multiply it to provide for the needs here at Worldview in Jesus' name. Um, Okay, I lost what I was going to say, but I'm just going to jump in. So I want to make sure that we touch on this. I know it's already noon, but hey, we started church. Let's finish it, right? So let's, let's just go ahead and go into this because I know this is what one of the pieces of, to get us to where we need to be as we um, just really feel like that was from the Lord. There's a couple other things that are behind the scenes that people don't know about that actually is confirming a bunch of this stuff. But um, one of the things as we have been walking through this shift in leadership is trying to come up with a, a, a very concise vision statement, you know, like a mission statement, so that we know where we're going and we can keep looking at it to make sure, are we doing what it is we felt like God told us to do? And we're working on it right now, but you might have heard me say this before, and it is that we exist, this is what we're thinking, we exist, worldview community exists to equip the church into full maturity through intimacy with Christ. That means the intimacy, what I mean by that is um, not just the lovey-lovey, it's the walking together, it's the oneness. So we're, what we want to see, we wanna, we're existing, our whole purpose is to equip the church into full maturity through walking with Jesus, not our own ideas, not our own concepts, but a real true intimacy with Jesus. So if you got the notes, you guys go ahead and pass out the notes, make sure everybody gets a note for today, it's front and back. So we're in the middle of this series called The Not-So-Secret Secret. The Not-So-Secret Secret. And what we've been doing is dreaming and longing to see the church functioning as truly the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. When I say the bride of Christ, what I mean is that we're truly functioning as the bride, which is a partnership. We're working together with, with his leading. We're being one with him in thought and deed. We want to be his bride. We want to walk with him in intimacy. And we want to fully function as the body of Christ. That means his hands and feet going where he goes, doing what he does, saying what he says. We want to see Jesus exalted in our life and our church and our city. 
and something, we can all tell that in, mostly in America, something just isn't quite right. We're not actually reaching that. The church should be his ecclesia, and we talked about this weeks and weeks ago, that the ecclesia is a, it's a, it's a ruling and reigning body of Christ with revolutionary impact. That's what we want to see. We're not seeing it, but we know that that's what, what God, that's what God wants. He wants to have us ruling and reigning and having revolutionary impact for the kingdom of God. And in most cases in, the, in America, in the church, we aren't seeing that, correct? We're not really seeing this revolutionary impact that we should be having. So we've been asking him here at Worldview. We've been asking him, mold us, shape us, rearrange us back into the design that you want for us. Whatever it looks like, we're done. We're like, we're finished trying. Would you, would you come and break in and mold us to who you want us to be? Make us look the way that you want us to look. We don't want to mimic every church in America that looks exactly the same. We don't want to follow all the books of how do you grow a church. We want to follow Jesus. We're done. I'm done. I'm done playing the game. I'm done trying to figure it out. I'm done trying to copy somebody else that's doing it right and hoping for their same results. I want God to take us and remold us, throw us back on the potter wheel, redesign us into the shape that he wants us to be in. So that gets a little messy. And we've stumbled upon a radical picture of the functionality of the church in Ephesians 4 through the fivefold. A radical way to do church that I don't think any of us has seen in our lifetime. Any of us. But we see it in the Word. We see it in the Word of God. If you've missed any of the series, I really encourage you to go back and listen so you can be a part of this journey with us because I'm not going to go into all of the pieces of it that get the, the history of it behind Ephesians, why this is such an important passage of, passage of scripture. So make sure to get online and um, listen through the whole series of the not so secret secret. We've spent some time already talking about the apostle. We've uh, made a definition about it. We've kind of looked at it from this way, turned it around, looked at it another way. We've done some experiment and we've talked about it in our home groups. Last week we, uh, we shared with you what the shepherd looks like. We talked about the shepherd, the characteristics of the shepherd. And this week we're going to get a little bit more interactive, which we've already started today. So that's good. We're on a, we're on a roll. Um, here's what I want you to do. You have your notes before you. I'm going to read this out loud. But as we read the passage in Ephesians 4, if you could, if you could look at it like you've never looked at it before, put yourself in like as if you're reading it for the first time. And if it's like really true, like what you're reading, that you really, really believe that this could happen. And what I'm going to ask you, once we read it, I'm going to ask a couple of you to tell me, what gets you excited? So I'm going to read it. And I want you to, I'm sure you've read it a gazillion times before, but I want you to try to put new vision on, new glasses on, and read it for the first time. And I want to hear from you what's exciting about it. What makes you get excited? What makes you think, really? Really? This could really happen? I want to hear what makes you get excited. So I'm going to just read this out loud. It's up there, I believe, and it's in your notes. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, 
to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body to be for the building up of itself in love. Okay, that's a mouthful. What got you excited? We all attain. I'm going to just say it out loud so when we um, record it, people can hear it. What got you excited when you were reading that scripture? Like, you're like, wow, could this really happen? Could this really happen? Yep. Walking in maturity. Sue? Attaining to the unity of the faith. Sue? Building up of itself in love. What gets you excited? Jim? The focus is equipping the saints, not building the ministry, building a ministry. Yeah, not, no longer swayed to and fro by every trickery of man and every doctrine. We're solid, we're set, we're, we're focused, we're all together, we're all helping each other, we're all knitted together, we're, we're joint helping joint, we're tendon connected to tendon, we're walking. I'll tell you the thing that gets me the most excited about it is it says that we grow up into the head, which is Jesus. It's mind-blowing to me. It like, my brain explodes. When I think about the body working together, then all of a sudden it's like I picture, it's like, we grow up into the head. Then all of a sudden we're, because what, where, where does our body, how does our body know to reach my arm out? Because my head tells it, right? My brain tells myself, reach out with your right hand. So I picture that and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, here, we're all working so well together that when the head, Jesus, says to us, go out there and touch that person, we just do it because we're all connected to the head. Now we're just working together and we're doing everything he says. To me, that's what I think he meant when greater works will we do because we'll all be together. We'll be like little Jesuses running around St. Louis, churches functioning together, doing what he says because we do what the brain tells, our body does what the brain says. Well, what if we're all knit together? We're all grown up. We all come together at worldview up into the head. Now all of a sudden, we're like a picture of Jesus walking on the earth doing what he's saying. I can tell him I'm a little excited about that. A little excited. I just can't think, wow, can it be? Can it be? Can it be? And praying into that. Um, I gave some homework from um, last week for those that did it. I think we're going to just, we'll just skip that right now so that we can move on to this. It was just, and, and maybe you guys, those that care to take this with you and do a little bit more meditating, try to go back and look at that scripture and re reword it so that it makes more sense to you. Like try, try to distill it into something that you can actually chew on and you can actually pray for that to happen. Like sometimes we need to just kind of reword it so it like flows more better in our vocabulary. So I just want to encourage you guys, meditate on that, rewrite it, re have the Lord kind of give you your own spin on what that actually means and meditate on that. 
Um, here's a little word of caution that I really want to just keep saying to us um, because we're people and we live in a Western culture and we have a knee-jerk response to make everything about us. Okay, so I just want to always say this when we're talking about the fivefold. This is not a personality test. This is not all about me. This is not how, how, let me just say how cool I am and what part I play. Because the whole point of the fivefold is it's about the church coming alive. It's about each one of us knowing who we are so we know where to fit into the body. It's finding out what the puzzle piece we are so that we make the picture. It's not about us and we kind of go in that direction if we're not careful. It's about the church coming alive, fitting together. We learn who we are so we see what part we play and see how much we actually need the other people. <laughs> really what this should do is make you realize who you are and all of a sudden you go, oh, that's pretty cool that God made me that way, but I sure have blind spots, blind spots, and I need the body of Christ in me. So I wanna find the people that are different from me and I wanna get close to them because I want to be balanced. So it's not about us individually, but it's about the bigger picture of the church. It's, it's both and, it always will be with, the, with God. It is about us. He wants us to know who we are, but it's unto the kingdom of God advancing on the earth. So be really careful not to just start getting focused on yourself because we just naturally do that. We, we live in a culture that kind of has wired that into us. So I just want to always bring that to our attention. Another thing that I want to remind us is a few weeks ago when we started the journey, I was telling you guys that these words that we're so used to hearing, the evangelist, the prophet, the, the teacher, the shepherd, and the apostle, we have Christianese definitions in our mind of what those look like because we've read them in the Bible our whole life. And so we, they've come to mean to us a Christian term. But back then when this was written, those terms weren't necessarily Christian terms. They were real things that they were accustomed to. Let me give you an example. I read this to you a couple, maybe a month ago and we talked about the apostle. When we think of the word apostle, we really think, and if you try to look it up, it mostly is very Christian. It's a very Christian word, but, it, but that's not where it came from. So when Paul was writing this, he wasn't writing this with 2,000 years of church history saying what an apostle was. He was writing it based on his understanding of what the word apostle was, which actually has its origin in 300 BC. Okay, and here's what the word apostle meant to Paul because he knew this word as a part of his culture, not a part of church culture. It was a real person that was an apostle. And here's what an apostle was. In 384 BC, so 300 years before Christ, the word apostolos was a naval term that described an admiral, the fleet of ships that traveled with him and the specialized crew who accompanied and assisted the admiral. Now listen to this and put these pieces together of what an apostle is. The fleet would be sent out to sea on a mission to locate territories where civilizations were non-existent. Once an uncivilized region was identified, the admiral, called the apostolos, along with his specialized crew and all their cargo and belongings, would disembark, settle down, and work as a team to establish a new community. Then they would begin the process of transforming a strange land into a replica of life as they believed it should be. Their purpose was total colonization of the uncivilized territory. That's what apostle meant to Paul when, when this term came into the Christian language. 
a group of people that would go together and they would take on a territory and make it like the kingdom because now they were apostles for Christ, not apostles for the Navy. So this was not, this wasn't a Christian word. This really meant something and he was using it from his culture to say what it was an apostle was. Shepherd is the same way. We know this is a little bit more clear to us. A shepherd actually was a job, right? And they, were, they used that term as a shepherd because it was such a great visual of a characteristics of a part of who God the Father was, a shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> it was a common occupation. So I do want to ask you guys right now, just want to hear from you. So what do you think shepherds do? Jim said, take care of dumb animals. What, what do shepherds do? Think about Psalm 23. What do shepherds do? They keep them safe. Provide for them. They go after the one. They, when they have a problem, and, and, and I'm going to say a little comment about that. Anybody else? What does a shepherd do? Lead them? Green pastures. And, I'm going to say that. Names them? So when this word term shepherd came about, it was about them recognizing David. I don't know, maybe David was the first one. I didn't do and study that, but to call him the good shepherd. They knew what a shepherd was. And they, they took that term and they connected it to the father because of what, how good God was. And, you know, to take time this week and look at Psalms 23 and just kind of look it over and, and see what it is that a, that, a, that a shepherd characteristics are. Now, we're going to just quickly go through this because we kind of talked about this last week. So when, when there is a person in your community that carries that kind of care like a shepherd, this is what it will kind of look like, okay? They're, they're people that create empathetic community. That's one of the things that they do. That's their big thing. They create empathetic community. These are all in your notes. I'm just going to read them through. Um, a shepherd is a nurturer. They have strong empathetic aptitudes. They have heightened capacity for meaningful friendships. Just, just mark, start marking these. If these are things that you're like, oh, yeah, that's really important to me. If these are highlighted to you, you might carry the heart of a shepherd in you. They, they care for the most vulnerable, and the most insignificant ones matter to the shepherds. They're social cement, they're hospitable, and they're inclusive. That's, what it, that's some characteristics of what it looks like to have a shepherding community, because we want our community to be shepherding, and it's going to come through people that carry that shepherd gifting naturally. Okay, so that's some of the, the, that's some of the things that shepherds do. Here's some of the weaknesses because that all sounded really super awesome, didn't it? It sounded like, man, I want to be around that person. And you usually do. You usually want to be around a shepherd because they just make you feel great. I won't tell a couple stories because I want to speed this up. But, okay, here's the weaknesses of a shepherd. And maybe these will stick out more to you if you're a shepherd because sometimes our weaknesses are a little bit more blaring in our face than, than um, the things that, we are, that are positive. So shepherd weaknesses, they don't confront. They can be passive-aggressive. They're non-missional. They don't care about the big picture. They care about the people. Tries to be all things to all people. 
They have an obsessive need for harmony and they are averse to taking risks. They have a hard time challenging people to move forward. Here, here's an example. Here's some interesting things about an immature shepherd. And these are things that we want to continually grow into maturity. Because people that carry that shepherd heart, when they're immature, it says here they can lean towards enabling because they don't want to hurt emotions by saying the hard thing. They don't want to hurt somebody by telling them if they're, that they're doing something that's not good for them because they don't want to hurt them. So in the shepherd's heart to want to love deeply, when they're, having, when they're still in an immature state, they can be enabling to people, which is not a good thing. We want to grow out of that. Or another weakness, you can lean towards controlling by using a form of shame against others due to feeling out of control to know how to handle pain. So an immature shepherd can kind of be a little controlling because they don't know what to do, so they try to manipulate a little bit with emotion. And th these are immature shepherds. A, a, a mature shepherd, which is where we're trying to go, what we're trying to learn, and we're trying to put Jesus as our example and say, I want to be like Jesus. Mature shepherds that are submitted to the process of God, they're cultivators. They support the full spectrum of the intimate experience of emotions in life. They're not afraid of the ups and downs. They're not intimidated by the highs and the lows. They, they understand the full spectrum. They know how to say to somebody, man, I can see that really makes you sad. I'm so sorry. Instead of saying, wow, that was so mean. I can't believe that person did that to you. Or why are you feeling like that? That you shouldn't feel that way. They know how to like handle the full spectrum. They don't control, they don't enable, they cultivate somebody to come closer to Jesus in, in the middle of their emotions. Okay, here's some common characteristics. We're gonna run through these pretty quickly. If you feel yourself nodding, you might have this shepherd gifting in you. They're includers to the core. Now, evangelistic people are very are includers too, but it's always for the purpose of joining people joining the group. Evangelists are more concerned about you coming where they're going. Like, they want to include you because they have something that you need, and they want you to come be where, where they're at. It could be anything. It could be um, a sales pitch about this great car. It could be about Jesus. So they said, come with me. They want to include you because they want you to come with them to the place that they think is a good place for you. But that's not what shepherds do. Shepherds are includers because it's the right thing to do. They want to put no pressure and no expectation on anybody because you should just include people because people are people and they should be loved. They dig into relationships because friendships help people stay safely in the fold. Shepherds notice when others are floundering, hurting, and are slowly disappearing. If you're somebody that you've noticed people slowly get, they come a little less. You know, and, and that could be that you could really be moving in the, the shepherd heart of God. They care, they guard and protect. Shepherds desire for us to live communally. They want us to be together. Let's be together. It's safer together. They love to get to know other people and they love other people getting to know other people because they know friendships are important and relationships are key. They have a great need for cohesion and unity and harmony. If a, if a shepherd person or a shepherding church would have a bumper sticker, here's what it would be, their slogan, love one another. It wouldn't be like the apostle is, let's go after God. Let's go do what God's doing. The, the shepherds would be, 
love one another. Their focus is the community living healthy in the love of the triune God. That's their focus. We want the community to be healthy. Can you see how important it is to have a shepherd? I mean, we're kind of low in shepherd here. We're kind of low in shepherd at Worldview. And we need this gift of God to come to the forefront. A core question a shepherd asks when making a decision, before they're making a decision about um, what, what programs we should have at church if they're a leader, should we be, what, what should we be doing? They're going to ask, it's going to come through this filter. How will this, how will this affect the people in the community? If they were the ones planning the prayer thing that we're getting ready to do, if a shepherd was the one that was planning the 10 days of prayer, their question would be, how will this affect the community? Oh, this will be good because people will be gathering together. If an apostle was asking that question, why would this be good for us to have this 10 days of prayer? It would be because we're going to hear God and do what he says. So there's a, there's a, there's a reason or there's a way that people make decisions, and that, that's one of the core questions a shepherd would ask. Now, some people just have that ability. Now, we're all, remember, we've said this, Jesus is in us. Nobody gets to just say, well, I'm not a shepherd. I don't have to do that. Nope. We have Jesus in us. We all are required to love people. There's just some people where this is way more natural. It's like they're knee-jerk. It's not my knee-jerk. It, and it, okay, here's my, th- this, as Cassidy said earlier, I'm not being overly, you know, confident or cocky or anything. I'm really good with kids. I love kids. I am really, really good with kids. When I was 16, I started working for the YMCA and I kind of worked my way up through the ranks. And eventually I became the school age childcare director. I had 17 schools that, were, that I was responsible for and 70 some employees that I had to hire, train, and supervise. And I remember thinking, I can do this because I love kids. And I realized I can't teach people to love kids. I can teach them the activity they need to do in order to keep them safe and good, some good skills, but I can't make them be good with kids. It's just a gift. It's just a gift. I, I, can't, I can't take it out of me, put it on a piece of paper, and show somebody how to do, give it to them. I just have that. I don't, I don't know. I got it from my mom. My mom loves kids. She's great with kids. But I, so I was so baffled about here I was. I loved kids so much. I was really good with kids. And I couldn't, I could only give people a checkoff list of what to do. I couldn't give them my gift. I couldn't, I couldn't give that to them. I, even though I was responsible for the program, I could teach them the skill, but it didn't mean they were great at it. And that's what we need from the shepherds here. You know, we may not all be shepherds, and you may have the gift, and I've seen it I mean, the other day. I'll tell you, if you guys, anybody here knows Harry Schrader. I was in this building on Tuesday praying for some youth, and I just watched him pray for youth, and I was like, I could see shepherd oozing out of him. I don't even know that's possible. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but I could feel it. I was like, I want him to pray for me. I could just tell he was just like loving those kids, and I was just like, Wow. Wow, so we need people in our community to do that, and then we need you to show us how to do it. We may not be the ones that are gonna like do it in a way like a Harry Schrader, but, but I, we can learn from you, 
and we need you to show us so that we can do this well together because it's not just on you, our whole community. We need to be a shepherding community and you need to show us what that looks like and you need to give us some, some guidelines. We need to hear from shepherd people. You know, when we did this back in life in church in Orlando, this is just one of the examples, is like, you know what they told us? The shepherds when they got together were like, we need to hear from you. What can we do that could be more loving to people? I would never thought of this. Well, we could have all of our members, when they come to church, come forward more. Because when people are guests and they come in, they, they want to just be able to slip in. They don't want to be noticed. And when they have to come in and try to find a seat, that makes people uncomfortable when they're, get, when they're visiting. So if we would all come up front, they could just slide in the back and not feel uncomfortable. I would never thought of that. I was like, love it. Love it. We can do that. I can give me, the, give me the list. I'll do it. But I need you to tell me what to do. I need you. We need the shepherds. Ephesians 4 clearly tells us that when we have all five in the church, when we allow the movement of all five, we will be equipped and mature and acting like Jesus. If we want to see the reality of Ephesians 4 in our midst, then we, Ephesians 4 in our midst, then we, we need all the fivefold giftings maturing, growing, and flowing in our midst. So we were going to break up into small groups, but... It's 12.30, so here's what I just want to do. I just want to take some time for you to talk back to me really quickly so we can just do this together. That'll save us the 15 minutes, and then we can go to lunch. When it comes to being a shepherd, so don't be, don't be shy because we need to hear your ideas. We're going to just spend maybe two minutes on each one of these questions. When it comes to being a shepherding community, now, obviously, this is just to worldview people, but I do have a question for all of those that are just visiting or haven't been around in a while. When it comes to being a shepherd, shepherding community, what are we doing well? Okay. Well, I only have one. You can. Okay, yes. You can type it? Okay, Susie's going to type it. What are we doing well as, as a shepherding community? What part of our community that's shepherding are we doing well? Home groups. Family of the week. We're taking meals to the sick. Praying with each other. We're working on it. We're getting them back. We have them, but we're getting them back. Sue's working on that. Meals were said. Meals? So, yeah. What else are we doing? Church lunch. Church lunch. That's okay. What else are we doing well? Benevolence. Loving one another. We like each other.
did somebody say? What? Oh. People. 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 <laughs> the prayer list. I think it needs to be genuine. <laughs> we need to go after the lost sheep. communication open especially with how we do worship so differently because someone like caring about someone feeling confused about how we do service trying to like make the communication clear on how we do it here so they don't feel church so what will it what would it feel like if you came into a church just to feel in the room and what would it look like like maybe things that they were doing that um, would make you think that's a really shepherding community yes Mary loving and nurturing loving nurturing and compassion the inclusive side where we're including like everybody everybody has somebody they're either talking to discussing with there's nobody alone or feeling like they're left out or out to the side and everybody is welcomed into almost anything and everything when we have people lost who come in or people that are homeless or whatever who feel judged we won't make them feel judged here they'll feel loved Mine kind of went with that. I just ask, uh, when you come into a place, people just asking you questions, just talking to you, wanting to know about your life, you know, just drawing you out. You know? um, mine was kind of like that, just greeting one another, not necessarily having to go, but when you see somebody, make eye contact, smile, um, just not greeting at the door, but greeting each other in the room. Thank you. Um, I probably think a little different, I'm sorry. Um, but I know the purpose of a shepherd is to raise sheep. Those sheep usually get sheared or slaughtered. Isn't that a wonderful thing for a shepherd? <laughs> kind, of, kind of a weird thought. But I think the fullness that God's looking for is people raised up that will lay down their lives so the ultimate thing we'll see will be people laying down their lives. Mm, big, 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 big. <laughs> so um, 
like people would come in and know the word would spread that this is a safe place, a safe haven. If you need to feel loved or you need anything, that you, this is the place to come to. Not just us, but the church in, in general. It might be messy, too. Well, when I uh, think of a church operating and separating uh, to the fullest, I think of just the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, and operating in perfect love. And I'll just read it out. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understanding all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all goods to feed the poor and give my body to burn, but have not love, it profits me nothing. But love suffers long, is kind, does not envy, does not pray to itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. I just want to double up on something with that because it's something that the Lord showed me and I was like, ah, because we, it's like earlier when I said, when I shared what I said that he said to me, you're my kid. Like sometimes we go so religious in our brains or so formal and it's just so not. And so we can say love never fails and da, 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 da. we can be all religious about, you know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. He never fails. He, she never fails. So think about yourself. Um, where is the, where's the, sorry, suffers long. I suffer long. I suffer long with people. He, he suffers long with me. She suffers long with me. She is kind. He is kind. He doesn't envy me. She doesn't envy me. I don't envy them. Um, I don't parade myself. I'm not puffed up. He or she it's not so I just think if we this is a person this is an action this is a person this is who we are this is who we become so I just want to double up on that oh sorry when I think of the shepherd I think of Isaiah 61 <clears throat> he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives to release from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So we, we need to be um, praying for the sick and, and uh, being used to deliver when it, that's needed, to bring open to breaking every chain as we were singing today that break every chain so that's what I think of what I think of Shepherd 
this a little bit piggybacks on what Kathy was saying about greeting people. But um, people in this church need to hug more. Hug. We need to touch each other. I mean, there... Well, I mean, for real. And, I mean, there are people that I know and I'm in home group with or, you know, I have a relationship with, and yet we'll just pass each other by and not even speak to each other on Sunday morning because we're doing this or doing that. And that might not mean a big deal to me. I might not be one of those people that needs that. But there are a lot of people in here that do. There's, um, I've talked to other people that are single. You know, they don't have families around hugging them, touching them, you know. And... <laughs> I just think we need to be aware when, when we pass somebody, even if you're on a mission going to do equipment, if you're on the worship team or whatever, stop and look at the person in the eye, say hello, greet them, hug them if you have a second. Just let, we're, not, we're really bad at that at this church. We're just, it's lacking. I think that's. I just have one more. Um, I know we've started on it, but discipleship, like we're supposed to make disciples. I had to step out for a minute, so I don't know if somebody said that, but um, I think like the mentorship, and I just keep thinking of Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> it talks about everything that he does, and so protecting and bringing up that next generation, and I think the mentor, the mom, spiritual mom and dad thing that we're touching on, I think once we get deeper into that, it'll look really good. So I guess that's kind of piggybacking off of what he said about preparing people to go out and be willing to die for, for whatever, just so that, but yeah. The shepherd lived with the sheep all the time. In our culture, it's a it's a one hour deal on Sunday, you know. And that's yeah, not today. We're out of the box. We're up to three hours. Yeah, I think real shepherds give time to people, and that's not an easy thing in our culture, but. If you really want to be a transformational church, I think that's where it's all headed. I think it'll look more communal, really, like, what do they call it, a kibosh, and or a group of people in Israel there where they all live together? A what? A kibbutz, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I, I think that's more representative of that kind of picture. I just love some of the things that we were saying, because just think about, you know, before we kind of were putting some emphasis on shepherds, like we were doing this since we started back in September when Rich and I kind of took over. Think about the things we've been able to add that we weren't doing before. We were doing church lunches, but we've added home groups. We've added family of the week that we pray for. We've, we've, we've added some more of these things that were this mother and father thing, discipling. We're, we're working on it. You know, it's little by little, but last Sunday, if you were here, what we did downstairs was a great little representation of just generations getting to know each other. We need those of you that when you're hearing all this stuff, you're going, amen, amen, amen. We need you to do your part. And then we're going to kind of come behind you and we won't do it as well as you. We won't, but we can learn. 
but we also need the other people in the community. If we're really going to, if this is really going to happen, which I believe it is, all the prophecies that happen today, we need the evangelist people that want to, that go out and have a gathering anointing. Does that mean you don't go out because you're not an evangelist? No. No, you still have to go, but maybe you get around somebody that's an evangelist so that you can kind of, they can rub off on you and you can kind of go with them. We need them brought in. Then the shepherds have to care. The teachers have to teach. The apostles have to lead. The prophets have to speak. We have to work together so that we can create that kind of oikos that will, that will, where the Holy Spirit can come and it can grow and it can move and it can shape. So all the things that you said today, they're excellent. Now we just need to pray that God would show us how to get there because we're not, like Gary said, we're not going to pick up the brush. We're not going to do it. We're not going to just say, well, that was a good idea. Susie, can you send me all of those because next week I'm going to figure out how to facilitate them. We're not doing that. But we're hearing it and we're saying, yes, Lord. That's what we say. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We want to do this. Yes. Is it going to be messy? Yes. Are we going to do it wrong? Probably. But yes, Lord. And we're going to do it together. So I'm excited. I don't know. I know that, you know, that it's sometimes it might seem a little confusing if it's a new concept or, or maybe you feel, well, I'm not a shepherd. But trust me, if you're not a shepherd, you need to hear this more than anybody because you need to realize you need shepherd people around you to help you. The people that, I almost think prophets and shepherds need each other the most because it's just this, one is all about the voice of God and one is all about the people. And you need both. You need that to like come together and you need, we need a community that is both prophetic and loving. We need both of them in a, in a way that God's going to show us how to do it, right? We're going to trust them. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we just hold our hand out to you and say, take worldview, take our lives, mold them into what you want. Show us how to step each step of the way. It says that your word is a lamp unto our feet, that it will just guide us one step at a time. And we trust your leadership. As we sang today, we know you're faithful. We want to follow where you're going. We, want, we say yes and amen to all of the things that you spoke today. Lord, we don't have to figure it out. We just have to say yes. And we have to be followers because followers follow. And we want to be followers of Jesus. We want to be followers of the Holy Spirit. So take all of this mess, God, all these pieces, and we know you know how to put it together. Would you highlight people in this room that can begin to carry some of that, begin to show us how to do it by being an example, begin to kind of like tweak us, kind of like Gary was saying too, like, you know, if you, if you stopped for a minute, Stacy, and just said hello, that would do, that would mean so much to people. Lord, that we would all be humble enough to want to learn and to grow to be more like Jesus, not to be like, well, this is who I am, and then you, you go do it. But we would all say, no, I want to learn to be more like Jesus. And Jesus, you would help us for it to be genuine, that we would love well, Lord, do what it is that you're doing. We really want to relinquish any control that we have here at Worldview. Build your church, Jesus. Build your church. Build your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, don't forget to go grab a um, calendar for the 10 days of prayer.